Welcome to another episode of Across the Field. Double B and Brady coming at you. Brady, what's going on? Not a whole lot, man. Just uh, more basketball on tonight. Feels like it hasn't stopped for the past three or four weeks, but I'm not going to complain. Me neither. Me neither. Um, first of all, I just kind of want to recap your weekend and your, I mean, we'll, we'll start with college basketball, but just the whole weekend of you getting down to Dayton and watch the, uh, you know, calling the high school games. I mean, I'm sure that was a treat and spending time with your dad and Jason and all those guys down there. Yeah. It's always great. Uh, kind of crazy this year because I had clinicals in Lima on Friday got off about 3, 3.30, and then had to try to book it down for the Crestview game. And about – I knew I was going to be real close to tip-off of that one, and I was stuck, dead stuck, standstill in traffic, mm-hmm. like two miles away from the arena, and didn't think I was going to make it in time. But then we got moving, and I got in there, and it was a great weekend. Okay. If I'm not mistaken, I believe you get off on exit 53, 52, 59. 59. Yep. Okay. I might've stayed on 53. No, no, it's 51. You, Yeah. Because we stayed on 59. The, the okay. arena's on 51. The arena's on 51. Yeah. So if I remember, I ran into that problem last year mm-hmm. on, on the first day and, but there was also construction going on as well like on that exit and I figured out a shortcut. If you got off on like 55, there's like a back way that takes you right down to the other side of the arena. Well, I'm going to, I gonna should, I should have, I should have brought that up to you because <laughs> I heard you call that game and I heard you mention that on the air. Yeah. And I, and I was like, man, I totally dropped the ball on that one. I could have <laughs> out to them. Well, it's, it's a mess once you do get to that exit because everyone's trying to turn left to get oh, to yeah. the arena and first of all it was five o'clock which normally i wouldn't i'd be down there earlier but i couldn't control it so it's five o'clock busiest time of the day mm-hmm. you got people coming both ways and also there's a left turn lane that's stacked up with cars of people turning um left to get on 75 to continue going further south right so not only do you have to dodge your traffic going both <laughs> ways but then you got three or four cars lined up trying to wait in the turn left on the 75, it, I mean, it, it was a mess, but whatever, it all worked out. It's a trick for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, you enjoyed the weekend and caught some high school games and some college games, I'd imagined. And, uh, I sure did. I'll be honest with you. I got, I didn't go down this year. Normally I go. Um, I had both TVs set up and I said, I know I sent a picture to you or, mm-hmm. uh, uh, had had the high school games on one and the college games on the other, and yeah, it was pretty nice just sitting here in my own home. I got to got to watch all of them still. So it looked like a really good setup, and I mean that's the one thing that I do miss when you're at state tournament a little bit, and like when we're calling the games, you miss that you don't miss the NCAA games because you know everybody has them around on their phone or laptop, sure. and, you, and you're keeping up, but you just can't get as invested as you'd like to without watching it in front of a big screen TV. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's definitely pros and cons in it, but yep. I mean, you can't go wrong either way. I've, I've done it a couple times now, staying at home and streaming all the, the high school games and I've done it going down there and either way is a, a really good time. So um, just kind of want to recap that and then, one thing I kind of want to get into here before we get started, um, I've kind of dropped the ball on this, but 
been been falling asleep at the wheel on the birthdays, but I got some birthday shout outs. It was a big week for the across the field family on birthdays. Um Peyton's dad, my uncle Bill, his birthday was last Saturday, the 18th. So happy birthday to him. Wanted to give that shout out quick. And then my uh Peyton I's little cousins, uh Julia and Aaliyah, the twins, um, turned eleven on Sunday. And then Derek Baxa big faithful listener his wife rachel uh her birthday was tuesday the 21st and today is russell the love muscles birthday oh, so i had, had to shout all those out so happy birthday to everybody there yes yeah happy birthday well man that's a loaded week <laughs> it is a loaded week i know there's probably some i missed but uh, those, <laughs> are one, those are the ones i kept up on so happy birthday to all those people um all right brady let's dive right into it uh, let's start with some with some NCAA, and I know you probably didn't catch all the games over the weekend, but kind of let's just start off with not really the biggest upsets, um, but kind of like the you know the top seeds going down. We can talk about the Purdue's, the Arizona's. Um, what was the one that was kind of the most surprising to you? Purdue, no doubt for Purdue, me. and. It's because everyone this year I felt like was very, uh, don't pick Purdue. You know, you can't count on them, can't count on Purdue. And it was so far slanted that way that it felt like to me, okay, Purdue's going to make a run. Like, this is the year they do it. And then 40 minutes and out, just unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, that I I mean, that did catch me off guard. But then it was kind of like, okay, well seen this story before just yeah. have, have it with them i think the one that really shocked me was friday was it friday or thursday it was thursday was the uh virginia ending um yeah yes shocking he, and and yeah Furman michael bothwell playing on that team from cornerstone yeah. christian yep yep um peyton stopped over after work on friday he was on spring break last week and kind of pulling some hours and uh, he stopped over here and literally we were sitting here watching it and, you know, you just kind of thought what the way the thing were, was going, they had a timeout plus they're basically trying to get fouled and just chucking the ball up in the air the way they did. And uh, I, as soon as he threw it, I told Peyton, I said, look at this. And guy picks it off, make a pass and drill a three to win it. So, I mean, that was, to me, that was like the craziest finish, I think. Um, but Purdue was was definitely one. And then I was really shocked with Arizona as well. I, I kind of thought the way they were playing, they would make a run. But, um, you know, th- those are the ones that really stand out. But that Virginia one, man, holy smokes. It was just a wild ending. And that was like to kick things off, which was, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was crazy. <laughs> I, 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 feel, I feel bad for the kid that threw that ball away at the end because, I mean, that replay is going to be playing for quite some time now, and he's going to have to live with that. So. Sure. Sure. Yeah, definitely. It's just – yeah, kicked off the whole thing, and I thought, well, there goes 99% of everybody's bracket, I would imagine. Exactly. And, yeah, uh, and then I'll tell you one of the other things that stood out to me. seems like almost always the most famous upset is the 12-5 upset, and there wasn't yeah. any this year. Yes, there was none. It was crazy. It was crazy, and I picked some twelves to win, and uh, that that came back to bite me. So, yeah, it seems like there's always it seems like twelve five games. Sometimes you can pick 
all 12 and be better off. I don't, maybe right. just from a morale standpoint because you get the upset, but right. uh, all fives. The five seeds were good this year, too. I mean, the, the, they were all good teams. They were. They were. And, I, and the way Duke was playing, Duke was a five seed, one that you mentioned. And the way they were playing, I kind of thought they would, they had potential to make an Elite Eight or Final Four run. And then, you know, they get bounced the next game. So, um, just just kind of wild on how things uh, turned out here, I guess. Yeah. But, and then the, the only other upset I want to talk about, because I predicted it correctly, is Arkansas over Kansas. <laughs> so, so, that was – that's the only good thing about any of my brackets. I did have Arkansas beating Kansas. Oh, man. I filled out three of them. And uh, <laughs> the, the only team I've got standing that I had one at all is Houston. So, I'm I'm pulling for the Cougars. Yeah. See, I took Alabama to win. I, I filled out two, kind of last minute. And I took Alabama just because, like, I didn't really want to pick Alabama to win it all just because all the controversy that's going on. Sure. Like with all that kind of outside noise, they're not going to win it. But then the flip side, I feel like I was on Alabama before most people were on Alabama. I've been on yeah. them since December. So I figured I'd pick them. And if it works out, it works out. And if not, then I can claim that, yeah, I didn't really want to pick them. So <laughs> it, it's a win win for me. Yeah. You brought them up a long time ago. I remember when you first jumped on, we were talking about Alabama. And that was a team that I felt like was kind of flying under the radar. I know, and then they caught fire, and now they're the one seed, and I'm like, ah, now I don't want to pick them. Yeah. <laughs> so to follow that up, we actually had uh, – I'm going to count them up here – four, six, eight, ten, twelve, about 15 entries um, in the across-the-field uh, bracket challenge. So um, I am currently sitting fourth. Um, Brady, you're currently eighth. And Peyton is 10th. So just kind of throwing that out there. I've, like I said, I've got Houston winning it all. And that shows here, yeah, you've got Alabama and uh, Peyton's got Indiana. So that's not happening. Yeah, it's uh, not looking great for Peyton. So at least I'm going to finish above him, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Some of these people I don't know. And I'm going to shout out, I don't know if you know any of these but do you know k brown one i'm not sure who that is me neither okay uh vinny dry bones i'm not sure who that is either <laughs> sean atch a atc or atch yeah once again not sure not sure uh we know who dylan hildebrand is i got a schuston yeah, that's, a, that's another no for me, dude. I, I don't know. Another no. Uh, we got Russell Love Muscle, Brooks Lockett's in us, uh, Kaylee Bustos, Trevor Perkins, not sure who that is. Um, Camden Fuller, Jagger Landers, Griffin Williamson. So, so yeah. For, so, familiar, familiar there at the bottom, but the guys at the top, I have no idea who you are. I appreciate you listening and jumping in, but. Yeah, so so <laughs> if, if we weren't able to identify you, please come forward in the, yeah <laughs> on Twitter or on Facebook and let us know who you are. Hit me up somehow, Brett or Brady. <laughs> find one of us. Let uh, <laughs> let's get you found out because uh, I don't. I feel bad not knowing these people, but right. um, so there's kind of the standings there, and then um, I got in on the Duder podcast because they always do one. Those guys, the guys from Hicksville, yeah. so. 
Um, I got in on that one, and I'm sitting third there. Um, not to toot my own horn, but I won it last year. So there you go. Uh, I'm hoping if the Cougars keep winning, kind of need Bama to lose because the guys, the the ones in front of me, have Bama winning it all. So um, maybe I can make a run at that one and take over the Deuter podcast. You had to come back and defend your title, right? Had to try, right? For sure, for sure. All right, that's about all I got, Marsh or uh, college-wise on the on the madness front. It was a great weekend. Um, like I said, I I just kicked it all weekend, Thursday through Sunday, and had games on, and it was fantastic. So we'll jump into the high school, and we'll just go right in order of how the games were played. And it started off with Division Two on Friday morning. Um, I know you weren't there, but I'm sure you kind of kept up with the Division Two action. Um, I watched that first game. Uh, between Chaminade Julian and Lutheran West. Um, and I tell you, I was kind of, you know, obviously rooting for R- Lutheran West just a little bit just because they knocked off Van Wert. Um, they got the job done, and they won that early morning game, the first game of the weekend, 56-54. Uh, tremendous game, by the way, uh, back and forth. I got to talk about the Levis kid. Jason Levis, I believe, is his name. Yes. Um, he was fantastic. I mean, this dude's a gamer. He he does everything and can shoot the snot out of the ball. You bet. And he's the smallest guy on the floor in a D2 game, but just plays with a ton of heart and grit and absolutely knockdown shooter and a great scorer. So, I mean, he was big against Van Wert also. Mm-hmm. He, uh, Luther Neese got down in that game four or six points and he came up with some critical steals that led to some transition baskets. And he's just kind of that do it all guy. I mean, his motor does not stop. And I was really impressed with them. Um, and then in that second game, um, you had Bishop Reedy and Akron Bookdale. Uh, again, another really good game. Bookdale wins by 10. I, I only caught bits and pieces of that one. I'll be honest with you. Um, Bookdale was really solid and, you know, Reedy was the number one team in the state, I believe, coming into that game. Correct. Undefeated. Undefeated. And so, I tell you, the length and the athleticism of Bookdale really impressed me um, when I was watching that game, the bits and pieces I watched, and then the way they were able to kind of pull away at the end. And um, so, kudos to them. And then, you know, so we had a Lutheran West and Akron Bookdale, uh excuse me, finals on Sunday morning, and I assume you were there for that one. That one went right down to the wire. Bookdale wins 51-49, and if I'm not mistaken, that was one of those games that maybe a shot didn't get off in time to send the thing to overtime, right? Yeah, so Division Two was the best division by far, and, and I kind of predicted that. I think some others predicted that as well going in. Mm-hmm. Those four teams, you could shake them up, any of them could play each other and you'd have a great game. And, you know, talk about the two teams that lost in the semifinal, Chaminade Julian, they have a kid on their team that's committed to a team up north, George Washington, that was initially committed to Ohio State, decommitted, and then committed up north there. And I heard that he looked very, very good. And then in the second game, Bishop Reedy, um, I just kind of figured seeing that score, I was like, ah, Reedy was undefeated, but they must have been a letdown. 
And then I get to the arena and I'm talking with some people after the game and they're like, no, Reedy was really good. Like we were impressed with what they did. They were put together. They had athletes. They were smart. But Bookle was just that much better. And I I think that showed uh, on Sunday and what was a phenomenal championship. Like you said, Brett, back and forth the whole way. Came down to the end. uh, Lutheran West had the ball. And they they had it with some time on the clock. And it was one of those late game situations that I'm sure the coaches uh, and players are kind of second guessing now because Lutheran West had the ball, I want to say with like 20 seconds left. And they ran it down to about 10. And they had the ball in the point guard's hands, uh, Fairley, who's a great player for them. Mm-hmm. And he got it with 10 come on a sideline out of bounds. And he kind of just dribbled 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 did nothing with it so they had to call another timeout at three then they had a side out and they went to uh number zero what was his last name um oh levis levis yep yep Yep. so so they go to levis and he kind of got tripped fell down ball balls rolling all over ends up in the hands of lutheran west kid shoots it and i i was sitting in the crowd for that game actually we went up and just found some seats uh walking around the arena and I thought it was clearly late. They counted it on the floor, but they're able to go to instant replay in the state championship games, which we've mm-hmm. seen I've, a couple times over. That's only been a thing for a couple of years now. Yeah. But um, some people were frustrated by that. And I was a little bit initially. I was like, come on, why do we have a replay in high school? But ultimately, you can't really be upset because they got the call correct. Right, right. To me, and you know, it does – I have mixed feelings on that. It does take away from the high school game, I guess. Mm-hmm. But with all the camera angles that are available, with all the media that's there, it's like, why not use it if you can use it? And at least let's get the thing right. Exactly. So, I, I mean, I was I watched it, and real time, I couldn't really tell, to tell you the truth. And I had texted you and said, did he get it off? And immediately you said... I thought you said no right away. No, yeah, yeah. I, I was I was really confident that he didn't get it off. But then I also didn't know how great the quality of replay would be if they'd be able to break it down to a frame-by-frame where they'd have right. a shot to overturn it. Right, right. That's a valid point, too. And then they um, – it was like the the Ohio sport of Spectrum News was covering it, and yep. they showed a really good replay after I texted you, and I was like – because I was a little behind just with the live stream and – um yeah i mean you could you could definitely tell i I mean it was late um so ultimately they got it right and and booked a one and i think it was the right call obviously and the right team probably won yeah yeah the right call and i'm glad that they went to replay looking back because guess what if they count that shot and it goes to overtime i guarantee you with the way sports are lutheran west wins that game yeah yeah just (laughs) one of those things controversy galore yeah 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 so but d2 was awesome good good i, I mean i watched i missed that semifinal of the of reading book till i caught bits and pieces of it um but man it, it sounded like it was really good and um what a great way to kind of start kick off the tournament yeah. um so you know congratulations to all four of those teams in a great season uh but let's go ahead and then we'll kind of jump to division four here uh, they were also Friday, the two late games on Friday. Um, and then the second game on Sunday. 
So the first game, obviously, was uh, Berlin Highland and Crestview. Uh, Crestview wins that game 69-63. Just real quick, Brady, to me, the score didn't really indicate how well Crestview played and, and kind of the gap it was at one point. I think that they had like an 18-point lead at one time. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, Crestview wasn't real comfortable get coming out. They weren't playing real well early, which we kind of saw from them a couple times in Bowling Green. Right, right, um, yeah. But then they were able to get it going, and then the third quarter, they kind of overwhelmed Highland, and really, they went on a crazy run. I can't remember now what it was, but they went on a big scoring run, and they had the lead pushed up there around that margin that you said. I mean, it was almost 20, and the fourth quarter of that game became almost unbearable to watch because it was just fouling back and forth and Highland I give Highland credit because they truly never quit I mean there was five minutes to go and I was like looking up and looking across the way at the benches and I was like all right coaches like let's clear the benches man this one's over yeah and Highland never quit um just knocked down a ton of shots forced a couple turnovers and they were able to climb back, but it, I mean, it, it was never really that close. Like you said, I mean, it was, it, Crestview was in control the entire second half and there really wasn't a doubt in my mind. Right. Right. And, you know, let's kind of, let's dive in more to that a little bit. I really thought um, when they really took over, um, you know, they played through Ren sheets all year, right. Mm-hmm. They, they kind of went back to that. But they got out and went. They ran a little bit. They, I mean, they they their offense is just so fluent to me when they're in the half court set. The way they move without the basketball, and the way they pass it around. Um, you know, I th- obviously I thought like Gavin was big, um, Carson Hunter was big. Um, you know, Mitch was obviously good. I mean, it was just a solid performance from all all those guys, and then even uh, Jared Harding off the bench was good. So. Um, you know, just a real dominant performance. And, and like I said, I just love the way they move the ball and the way they move on offense. The, the thing for Crestview, I thought, in the tournament run, Ren Sheets really grew up quick. He did. I mean, we talked about it after the regional games, but then once again, he's matched up with a talented kid in Alex Yoder from Highland who's 6'6"-ish and, um, you know, he he's, has experience. He's played down there before. But, I mean, Ren went right at him and looked comfortable doing so. And sure. Just being able to play kind of old. I mean, it shouldn't be old school, but it's kind of old school. Playing that inside out, um, it really opened up their offense. And then, of course, Mitch Temple. I mean, boy, oh, boy, what a tear he went on. Yeah. Um, once again, I mean, I, I think he had 25 in the semifinal. Yeah. Yeah, He. I mean, he's really solid and – um, man, they, they had a really good year, um, and that was a really good performance they put on in the semifinal. Um, the final, what, I'll be honest. Oh, one other thing about that game, Crestview shot 41 free throws in that game. That's as high of a number wow. as I can ever remember, and they made 30 of them, including Mitch Temple, 15 of 17 from the line. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. How wild is that? Um, and then, so moving on here, um, looking at uh, the nightcap with Rushi and Richmond Heights, I'll be honest with you. I thought that was going to be a 30-point game. And, you know, we kind of texted back and forth. So I didn't I didn't watch that one. I just kicked on uh, both um, 
both TVs were on the, the college game, the March Madness of it. And uh, you watch that game, um, and you kind of, you know, we talked about it text, through text over the weekend. Richmond Heights just kind of came out kind of slow and, and not really firing on all cylinders, and then it kind of seemed like they turned it on there in the second half. Yeah, so um, just to talk about the bright spots for Rushi, I mean, my, most people thought that was a running clock game, a 35-point margin at least. And some people were trying to talk up Rushi. They, they went through a lot this year. Their head coach died shortly before the season, so everybody knew that they were going to play inspired. And I, I was like, man, it's just not going to be enough. But they did come out and play really hard. And one thing I'll say is all five of their starters started on their state championship baseball team that knocked off Lincoln View last really? year in the spring. Yeah. And so you know that those kids are winners. And they just went out there and played really hard. Um, the only thing was they they were playing with them early, but they were playing at a really fast tempo. And it kind of caught Richmond Heights off guard because the thought was, you know, they're going to have to really try to slow this thing down, limit possessions, and win a low-scoring game. Sure, sure. And Rucci wasn't scared to run with them, and they were going at them early and getting to the rim and getting shots. But you just knew in the back of your mind that it wasn't going to be sustainable for four quarters. And ultimately, that's what happened. Richmond Heights just kind of flipped the switch in the third and fourth quarter, and they were able to pull away. Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it kind of sounded. And, you know, Going into it, I, I, you know, I thought the same thing. If Rushi was going to have a chance to win, they got to slow it down. And you look at the game before and the the regional final. That's what they had to do to Jackson Center. It seemed like. I mean, they won that game twenty seven to twenty five, I believe. Um, so you know that was that was really low scoring, and that's kind of how I thought they would have to play. And when I saw the score at halftime, I thought, man, they must be getting up and down. They scored more at halftime than they did in the regional final. Right, right. Yep, and that's exactly what happened. So, I mean, they tried really hard and they played well. And after the game, I, I think, and since then, a lot of people have said, well, that game was closer than what the score showed. It was 66-51. It wasn't a 15-point game. And I'm like, yeah, it was. I, I mean, even <laughs> even with it, even with as well as Rushi played, that was still a 15-point spread. Just shows how overpowering Richmond Heights was. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's talk about the final, and then um, we're going to take a little pause after we talk about the final because I want to get into a topic that you and I have both kind of been talking about already this this weekend. Um, but the final was Richmond Heights and Crestview, and I felt like Crestview did a pretty good job of weathering the storm in the first half, and then it just went downhill. And the final score ended up being 70 to 26. I believe they got outscored. Crestview got outscored like 20 something to nothing in the third 20, quarter. 29 nothing in the third quarter. Yep. Wow. And it's just, I mean, they, they literally couldn't get anything going. And, and Richmond Heights was just on a tear. They shot it really well. They pressured him. They got steals. It was. It was just crazy, um, but to me, it was kind of like Richmond Heights got that funk game out of their system in the semifinals, and uh, just really turned it on there in the final game. And you can speak more on that because you watched it live. In yeah, 
Yeah, I mean, there's not a ton to break down because this is something that everybody – I mean, we all saw this coming a year ago with Richmond mm-hmm. Heights winning it last year in Division Four, and starting two freshmen, and then you get two transfers that are studs. And, oh, by the way, they have one senior on their roster this year that wasn't in the rotation. So guess who's won in Division Four next year? Yeah. I, I mean, it's, it's just – it is what it is. Crestview played them tough for, from the start, um, but once again – Richmond Heights was just kind of in cruise control, playing about 40% in the first half. Um, but I'll tell you, man, we've seen athletic teams down there, and oftentimes they play kind of out of control or they don't shoot it well. And sure. I, I, I mean, I'll give Richmond Heights this. They do everything on the basketball court as far as, far as X's and O's. They do everything the right way. They can play in the half court. They sit down and play defense in the half court. They can run and turn you over. And they have really, really great perimeter shooting. I mean, just fantastic. They, they were 11 of 24 from three in the championship game. And it wasn't really a shock because that's how they shoot the ball. I mean, that was the best team in the state, regardless of division, that Crestview had to try to play with. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's 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 a shame that uh, it's just a shame that the year that that Crestview had that you just have to end with that kind of a game. And Brady, I don't know about this. Some people were saying, and you know, you know how people get talking, but some people are saying that Richmond Heights could beat any team in the state, and I don't know that that's true. I do, um, but but they're really good, and you were there, so you. I watched them on TV. It's definitely different live than than on TV. You really think they could beat any team in the state? Yes, and, and, and I think they would. I think if you put them in a seven-game series with any team in the state, they'd win. Wow. I, I mean, they, okay. they're, that, they're that good. They have Division One players. And, oh, by the way, their two best players are sophomores, and, and they're both high-level Division One recruits. Yeah. So, so, I mean, what, we can get into this a little bit. I mean, Go ahead, yeah. The, That's the question, what I'm going to get into. Yeah, I, I mean, the question becomes – Who's to blame here? Because, I mean, is it the OHSAA or is it Richmond Heights or what has happened? And the one thing I will say to start this off with, um, I don't blame the Richmond Heights players because they're not placing themselves in Division Four. They're right. and, and they're playing they're playing all the big boys all year. They play Lakewood St. Ed's. They play, uh, I think they played Lutheran East and beat them. So, I mean, they're playing a big-time schedule, and they went undefeated. They won every game on their schedule, played who was in front of them, and beat them. But, I mean, it's just clear that, once again, I mean, they're going to win it in Division Four next year. So, what can we do to level this thing out? I don't know. And the question that I kind of ask is, like, is that even fun for them? Like, I mean, I, I, it's like yeah. the tournament. The tournament's an afterthought for them because – they should win and they're going to win. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, I agree. It's just, what do you do to fix the problem? And I know a few years ago, you know, they tried to stop that was more geared towards the transfer thing. Um, you know, as far as open enrollment and all that stuff, you know, so if you didn't move or if you, yeah, you didn't move, but you, you transferred schools, you know, the, the old rule used to be, well, you sat out the first half, you got to play the second half in the tournament. Well, that didn't really penalize anybody. 
And, you know, now a few years ago, we saw it back in, I believe it was 2018 with Deer Park in Division Three. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of changed that to where after that season, it kind of became, okay, well, now you can transfer, but, uh, you know, you got to you, you play the first half, but now you got to sit out the second half and the, and the postseason play. But I just don't really think that that's really solved all the issues. I, I think, yeah, I mean, I agree. And people, the issue with the way that they were doing it was sitting out half the year and stuff. Mm-hmm. People have found ways around that. They, sure. They've found ways to beat it. So ethical, unethical, it is what it is. They're finding ways around it. And, I mean, just look at this state tournament this year. Seven of the 16 teams that were down there were in the top 30 or in the top 35 of competitive balance. Yeah. So it's not really competitive balance. It's still competitive unbalanced because those are the teams that are getting there and those are the teams that are winning. Now, the question becomes, what's the answer? And that's why I have a hard time really sitting here and just ripping the OHSAA because I don't know what the solution is. I, I really don't. And I think it's really difficult, especially when you get towards the more urban areas of the state and you have guys that are or schools that are all really close to each other and guys that are friends with each other and they want to play with each other. I mean, it's not true high school basketball like we like to think about it here in the rural areas, but it, I mean, it, it's just a different time and a different world out there. Yeah. My thing is, is there a way to separate it? Is it even possible to separate those schools from the public schools? Do that. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that that's the other thing. There's a lot of people that say, well, it needs to be private and public. Well... Richmond Heights is public. I mean, there's public schools doing it too. So, right. so, that's, so that's not your answer. And also nobody had a problem with Bishop Reedy this year and they're private. So I, I don't, I don't really think that's the answer and nobody has an issue with LCC really, or Delta St. John's. And like, it wouldn't be fair for those schools to have to go play the Lutheran East of the world. So right. I, I think something has to be done with the competitive balance number itself, whether it's just you really jack up that number or honestly, with the way things are now with the media, it's not like it's hard to find out who's playing summer ball with who and who's in what AAU program, players and coaches, because high school coaches are AAU coaches, including Richmond Heights coach, um, from what I've been told. So there has to be something, some kind of balance, some kind of way to balance that, some kind of metric to make it more even, because... I mean, Richmond Heights and Lutheran East are your champions in D3 and D4. And those two, those might be the two best teams in the state, period. That might have been your state championship game in Division One. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know the answer. You, are, you, are you willing to throw out your theory that we kind of talked about over the weekend? I can't remember what it was, Brad. I have so many. <laughs> you brought up... Uh, jumping up divisions yeah oh yeah yeah per, I, per, I, per player yeah yeah so that was something i just caught of the other day uh at work actually on my lunch i said uh how'd that go i said so if you have a kid that has played high school basketball yep. varsity basketball dressed or played 
and he transfers to your school, you have to jump up a division, one one division for each player. So if you're Division Four and you have three transfers, or Richmond Heights had two transfers this year, I think, at yep. least two guys that played high school varsity basketball last year, they automatically bump up to Division Two. Maybe a little extreme, but I don't know. I mean, it'd fix some of it. I think so. I think it would. It's just I don't even know where you begin. But it, it gets frustrating for our communities around here. And let's be honest, what games are you getting the most crowds in? Yeah. Typically, typically for me, you see the bigger crowds of the Crestviews, Ottawa Glandorf, um, even when Wayne Trace goes, um, you know, Lincoln View when they went in 2016. To me, that's your crowd. That's your standard. And, you know, it's just, do they want to make, do you want to get people in the seats? Because let's, let's face it. I didn't go, I didn't go to the state tournament this year because, and I hate to be this way, but I'm going to be brutally honest for a quick second. I knew Crestview had a chance to win on Friday and I knew they probably would win. I mean, I, I really thought they'd win on Friday. And, you know, I thought even if they do win, it's a, it's a long shot to win on Sunday. And so to me, it's just like, why, why go if, you know, it's just going to be a show, you know what I mean? And, and I hate to be that way, but there's a lot of guys that, that go to the state tournament every year and the, the older crowd are starting to get that way. I feel like. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, and so th- that's, that's part of the deal. I mean, th- I think that's why attendance was so low this year. Everyone knew. Richmond Heights was one and four. Lutheran East was one and three. Division two might be good. And then mm-hmm. division one, well, there's going to be at least one good semifinal, I think most people thought. But then that championship's on late on Sunday night, so I'm not going to want to stay around for that anyways. So sure. I'm sure to stick at home, I think, is what most people thought. But to your point about the crowds and who's coming, the rural areas, and particularly northwest Ohio and west central Ohio, travel to the state tournament better than any other part of the state, I would say. Even when it was in Columbus, I feel like Northwest Ohio brought the biggest amount of fans, right? Would you agree with that? I agree. I agree. So, and and that's just even basketball fans, not the schools. But then once you get the schools down there, they travel. And that's still the case. But I also don't think it's right for state tournament to just be played like an entire division among just rural schools, because then you're not really getting an accurate representation. I mean, it's not really a true state championship then. Okay. I mean, for example, I'm just looking here. One of the first tournaments I went to was 2007. Yes. Uh, Cincinnati North College Hill was playing. OJ Mayo was playing Liberty Benton, who was 27 and 0 AP number one. That was division three. Division two was Dayton Dunbar. And Upper Sandusky, uh, John Diebler and Dunbar, Daquan Cook. Yep. Um, and then you had Division Four was Harvest Prep and Georgetown, both undefeated. And then Division One was Moeller and St. X, so two Cincinnati schools. Yep. Okay, so what? So what's my point here? Well, the point was, people were like they were still drawing crowds for that game. There's not one 
rural school school from our area and that whole thing. You know, Liberty Benton obviously is upper Sandusky kind of, but the reason people were going number one, because the players were phenomenal and attracting crowds, but number two, those games were all toss up games, great teams, great players, and you didn't know who was going to win. So that's the biggest thing hurting attendance to me is it's already predetermined. Like you said, we know who's going to win. We know who's going to win the division four state championship next March. I'm sorry for all local teams that are division four. It's over. So you might as well focus on one in your regional. So I, that's the biggest thing for me. You have to bring back the competitiveness. And with that, you got to bump the super teams, the AAU teams up in divisions. I agree. Do you have the, uh, I can look real quick if you don't, but do you have the uh, the attendance for every game? Yeah, for, for this game? year. Yeah, for this year. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, what was the biggest attendance? Eighty five, eighty five hundred, eighty five seventeen, and that was Centerville, who it's right in their backyard, and also um, against Pick Central, which is a rematch of the state championship. What we're going to dive into more. And two Mr. Basketballs. Yes. And also, Gabe Cup's kind of an internet celebrity, and yep. Devin Royal going to Ohio State. And even yeah. that game only brings 8,500 on Saturday yeah. night. Yeah. And I, to me, I don't know the numbers. You know, we talked about the regional up at the Stroh Center. I don't know the numbers, but I think that's typically right around 4,000 people. I was told, I was told Wayne Trace OG was just shy of 4,000 tickets sold. Okay, so and the average attendance this weekend was forty nine hundred. So there, to me, that 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 should speak volumes. Like you're getting the same amount of people to go to a regional game, and I get Bowling Green's closer, but not. I mean, not too terribly closer. And I I just think that speaks to, you know, people would rather go watch the regional final game than what they would a state game. Certainly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not great, man. It's not great right now. And I don't know. I I know, I know you've experienced some of the highs of state tournament and state tournaments kind of how I grew up and it's always been really important to me. And I mean, we're literally watching it die in front of our eyes. So I I hope there's something that can be done to save it, man, because it it still is. It still is a really good event. Yeah. It's a great weekend. It's a great event. It's, it's fantastic. That's fantastic for sure. And and the games this year in all divisions were as competitive as ever. And just, I mean, not just still not a ton of atmosphere. And I'll tell you what, Dayton is about the only thing saving it. Because if it was an average 4,900 attendance at the shot down in Columbus, it'd be nothing short of depressing. Yeah. (laughs) 4,900 people in there. It's 20,000. I agree. I agree. It's it's something's got to be done, and uh, as we're doing this, we're, we're recording here on Thursday night now, Brady. If you just saw Michigan State, Kansas State heading to overtime. Oh boy, <laughs> tied at eighty two. Oh boy, uh, I want to throw that out there. That's a good way to transition, though. Uh, we could talk about that topic all night, and, and you know, and again, don't know the answers, but we'll just keep moving on here. We'll we'll talk about. Uh, let's move on to Division Three if you want to. Yep. Um, Division three was the first uh, couple games on Saturday for the semifinals. First game was uh, OG and Afrocentric. OG wins that game 48-47, double overtime. 
what a terrific game, man. It was it was truly fantastic. Um, OG was solid the whole game. Uh, we know what Dalen Swain's about for uh, for Afrocentric. I mean, you were there. Let's just just fire away. How great was it to see it right there? Awesome, so awesome. <laughs> I mean, Afrocentric was tough, and they wanted revenge after last year's game. OG beat them in a close one last year. Yeah, and I mean, it was one of those games where you know you went to the second overtime, and it, it it's not like you were looking at your watch like ah. How are we going to get the next game? And it's like, I want this game to go six overtimes because yeah. <laughs> it was so perfect. Two evenly matched teams and two great players going head-to-head in the overtimes is really what it turned into. And OG able to make just enough plays at the end. Yeah, they were. They were. Um, I thought a guy who was huge, kind of an unsung hero that nobody has really talked about, but uh, the Levi Underbrink kid. I mean, he was solid in the semifinals and even the championship game, coming off the bench, playing some defenses, playing his role, hitting some big shots. I thought he was huge for OG. He was, yeah, he was tremendous off the bench for them, and he really ended up playing starter-like minutes uh, in both games. And, yeah, he was really good. Knocked down some shots, which we hadn't really seen from him. Took pretty good care of the basketball. Played some defense also, and really – the guy for OG this weekend that really stepped up his game. He's playing through an injury too. Is uh, Theo Mag? Theo, yeah. Just one of those guys. Senior year, you could tell that this tournament really meant a lot to him, and uh, he he played really well. I thought against some pretty good post players that he went up against. Yeah, yeah, he was solid. We and we, we know what Colin White's all about. Um, he was fantastic as well. Uh, the play, the play I really loved was in that semifinal game where they hit, uh, Caden Erford on the elbow and he kind of threw a little bounce pass behind his back, not really behind his back, but just yeah, tossed it off the hip to Colin White. And, uh, he got a jam one time for an easy bucket. And then the next time after centric kind of caught onto it late and he got fouled the next time, but, uh, really well-designed play that, that kind of got the offense sparked there the first time when they got the dunk. Dude, I'm not trying to overdo it, but can we talk about how good Colin White is? I mean, <laughs> he's, he's unbelievable. And it's just the most impressive thing to me. You, if you knew nothing about Ottawa Glendorf basketball and you went to a game and watched, say, two quarters mm-hmm. and then asked, you know, who, and you were asked who, who's their best player, you wouldn't know it was Colin White because no. he doesn't force anything. He doesn't take crazy shots. He doesn't showboat or brag. I mean, he just plays within their system and quietly will put up monster numbers. And then late in the last four minutes of games, he'll just take it over and win it. Yeah. Yeah. And we saw him do it down there in Dayton last year. Yep. Sure and did. I mean, it's, I guess Afrocentric and Taft, it's just like, he just hangs around, he plays his game, then all of a sudden he, he kicks it into another gear. Yeah, and, and he's a junior. Just feels like he's been in high school forever, you know? <laughs> I, know. I know. Oh, man, yeah. I, and I'm sure he'll be hungry to get back next year, obviously. And, oh, yeah. But, man, he was he was, he was was solid all weekend. He was really good. And then Caden Erford was good. Um, Steck Shorty was good. I mean, I thought I thought they played really well. All their guys are so solid. They, they, they just understand – important situations and games and when they need to step up. And I mean, you never watch an OG game and some kid shoots and you're like, Oh boy, 
That's not yeah. a good shot. I mean, that never happens. Right. Yeah, for sure. And then we're both Wayne Trace guys, so let's bring this up. I mean, Wayne Trace taking him to double overtime the week before had to play a factor as far as, like, getting him prepared for that game, wouldn't you think? Definitely. Wayne Trace taking him to double overtime, yes, that. And then OG not being able to put that game away in regulation or in the first overtime really loomed large in the championship, I thought, on Sunday. Because if they would have been able to – I mean, they just looked gassed to me on Sunday in the championship. They did. They exerted a lot of energy on Saturday. And, I mean, the the only thing I thought was, okay, it was the first game of the day. They at least have time, you know, to watch the second game, you know, see who their opponent is, Lutheran East, and then – they can go kind of decompress, but even still, man, that is a quick turnaround. Yeah. Yeah. And not only that, uh, coach Tyson had a really good quote in the post game presser on Sunday. He said, we're used to playing back to back days. Yeah. We're not not used to playing Afrocentric and Lutheran East in back to back days. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I heard him say that at first when he said that we play back to backs all the time, that was the first thing that ran through my head. I was like, yeah, but, that's not who you're playing. Then came yeah. out said it, and I'm like, yeah, that's a little different animal than playing, you know, two teams around here. It's just you're not seeing that every weekend. So, uh, but again, OG gets the win um, by one in double overtime, the semifinal, and then the other game. Actually, you know, I thought wasn't too bad. You know, it, it kind of got away late, but uh, Harvest Prep and Luther Nice. Luther Nice wins sixty five forty four. Um, I caught bits and pieces of this one as well. I didn't watch the entire thing, but uh, what was your biggest takeaway from this game? Harvest prep was small. Uh, tried to hang around, shooting the three, knocked down a couple early, but then Lutheran East size and athleticism was too much. And mm-hmm. Lutheran East, um, you know, then they're able to knock down OG. We can just go right into that on Sunday. Um, yeah. You know, the, the thing about Lutheran East and Richmond Heights and teams like that that we're, that we're starting to see kind of, hand-picked or assembled, uh, you know, a lot of people think those teams are just getting a lot. I, I don't want to say better, but they're getting better in the fact that they are understanding situations like Lutheran East and Richmond Heights are the same to me. And the fact that they both don't just, they're not out of control. They understand that they're probably the better team in about every game they play. And they can beat you in so many ways. If they're not up 20 early, they're not panicked. They're not yelling at each other. They're not frustrated. And they're willing to sit down in a stance and beat you that way. And I I think ultimately that's what kind of got OG was that Lutheran East was really disciplined like the Titans. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Man, their defense is, like as as you mentioned, was just solid all night. Yeah, um, it was it was it was fantastic to watch, and their length. Oh my goodness, their length is crazy, and I believe Colin White said it uh, in the post game press conference. You know, they only got to take one dribble and a couple steps to get from the three point line into the lane and get a a scooping shot up. You know, you so, got it, you got it, and that is so hard to defend and stop. Yeah, and and you don't see it. Like if OG played Lutheran East again this Friday. OG might get them, but I mean, yeah. you got to play back to back, and you got one day to prep, and you see them one time. I mean, that's really a tough task. But 
there was a stretch. I think it was in the third quarter of that game. It was either the sec- late second or late third quarter. I can't remember. I think it was third. OG got really hot from three, and, and, and they were knocking down shots, and they started to really score. But Lutheran East made four threes in a row yeah. at one point. So OG was scoring, and Lutheran East was scoring. And OG just couldn't get the stops they needed to climb all the way back and get the lead. And I was sitting uh, next to my dad, and I told him, I said, that's going to be the difference in this game right there, that stretch. OG forced some tough shots. I mean, you have to give something to Lutheran East. You can't defend everything. So they gave some some of their role guys open threes and credit Lutheran East because they knocked them all down. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They shot it really well. They shot it really well. They're a really nice team, obviously. And um, so, again, congratulations. And great yeah. season for OG. Great season. Yeah, I mean – Lutheran East is so good, and the fact that OG is able to hang with them a day after playing double overtime, factor all those things in, playing double overtime in the regional final, and only lose that game by six, that says a lot about OG and just the program they have and the type of team they are this year. Sure. But with that being said, uh, and we can we can move on after this, <laughs> you, you get you get a lot of time to talk to other media members, other coaches. Um, you know, guys from area schools down there at state tournament between games. You know how that goes. Yeah, sure. Um, there's a lot of buzz and a lot of talk down there. That there might be another favorite next year out of that regional. That's really? not OG. Really? Coming out of BG. Yep. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it at that. Okay. I yeah. I do think we, OG, I, th- I think we got to see it in motion first. I I agree, but <laughs> I I do think. OG is going to miss Theo Mag a lot inside because I, I know they have a Westrick coming um, that's younger and he has some size, but Theo Mag was pretty dang solid for them down the stretch this year. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I will say to kind of follow up on your, what you mentioned there in between games, talking to everybody, you know, that's one thing when I was coaching, you know, I really miss about the state tournament when you're, when you're there not only talking to the media guys or whoever, you get to talk to other coaches and pick their brains a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it's kind of cool just to, like last year in particular, the Wayne Trace coaches were sitting in one row and we got the Kaleida guys right in front of us. And mm-hmm. um, just going over different scenarios and like what they would do, what we would do. And, you know, most of the time it's the same, but there's different little tweaks that, you know, they might bring up to you. And it's like, man, that's a good point. And, you know, it's, it's, you compete against those guys during the season, but then it's like you get down there and everybody's kind of pulling for the teams around here and, and you kind of just share some notes and, and, and not only that, but then not even talk about basketball at the same time, just joke around and have a good time. And that's the part I do miss about not being down there. Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because talking to coaches like that, that's a lot of fun. So D2 state final game, the Lutheran West game, um, mm-hmm. Me and dad are sitting up in the crowd. We're sitting by Gus Davis and we're talking. A couple guys come and sit in front of us and we're talking to them. And it was two of the officials that were going to do this D3 game, the OG Lutheran East game. Really? And it was kind of like the same thing. They were sitting right in front of me, but I was leaning forward, asking them all kinds of questions and listening to how they watch a game and kind of, you know, like every call, like what their thought process is, how they're breaking it down. Uh, That was really, really interesting. And I, I got to ask him a lot of questions and got some things answered. See, that, that that's what you do. Um, 
when you when you need an answer about something that you have a, a question with to an official, you don't stand up from the fiftieth row and yell and get all red for red face <laughs> so your blood pressure. You, you, you act somewhat civilized and find a good official and just ask them questions and then and then you get answers. Then you know. Yeah, for sure. And right. I believe one of those officials was uh, I can't I am blanking on his name right now. He's from the the Finley area, isn't he? Uh, he did one of the games. Yeah, he might have done that. Yeah, he did. He did. He did do. And it wasn't him. It was the other two guys. Okay. Okay. You know the guy I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. I can see him, and I can't remember his name. I believe he's he goes to a lot of the uh, the Finley uh, the university games there. He does sure does. Yep. Ah, uh, man, I'm blanking on his name. I think he's pretty good official though. Yeah. I mean, and to be honest with you, let's talk about that real quick. Was there really any bad officiating down there this weekend? I didn't really see any or, or hear many complaints. Okay, everybody thought it was terrible. If you talk to really? 90% of people that went to the tournament, yeah, everybody thought it was terrible. Not in the not so much that it was lopsided, but just that it was very physical. It was very physical. I mean, yeah, I mean it is physical every year, guys. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know why we're acting surprised. I mean, it, 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 it is what it is, and sometimes it gets a little frustrating. But I mean, I thought they did a pretty good job not letting anything get too out of control. Right. Um, that's what I saw, and, and it always looks worse the closer you are to the floor, too. So, yeah, yeah for sure. But I just... with that, I, I will say, Brett, real quick, uh, talking with those officials. They talked a lot about when deciding whether to call a foul or not, um, considering advantage or disadvantage, meaning like is is sure. the player getting an advantage or not? And, and if, if it's happening away from the ball where there's no real advantage or disadvantage for a team, we're not going to call it. Um, that was all kind of new stuff to me. And yeah. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, I encourage you, if you're interested in that, to talk to a basketball official you know about that because that was interesting to me and while I think it's like the right way kind of to think of it because you don't want to call every little thing I think calling the game that that way makes it really hard to stay consistent or at least I think it would be that way for me I I would venture to agree with that because you and I both umpire baseball so whatever and I yeah I just think now that's a totally different game. Don't get me wrong, but I could see where the inconsistency would come in as far as advantage disadvantage. I mean, if you let's just say stay, take a strike zone for instance, you know, like if yeah, that might not be the advantage. So you you might call that a ball or a strike, but are you really being consistent with that zone when the next batter comes up and maybe the count's different? That that's the first kind of analogy I thought of. I thought it would be like me in baseball. I'm playing a baseball game and calling strike one differently than I call strike two differently than I call strike three. Like I just yeah. think it would be hard to decipher them. It would, and and that's the only thing I ask is I don't care how physical the game gets, but just just call it the same way for both sides, you know, and and have that consistency. But the other thing I'll say, and you brought this up before the tournament started. It's going to be physical the whole way through. And I think, you know, we could even go further with that. Um, Not only is it going to be physical, but I feel like the further you go, the more physical it gets. Yes. Yes. A a lot of times. Yeah. And that's why 
I get it because it, it really shouldn't be that way. It seems like no. all games should be called the same. Regular season games should be called the same as a sectional, district, regional. But we know from experience it's just not that way. Yeah. So it's kind of like you have to use that sectional tournament as an adjustment period and, and then be ready to go because district, regionals, and state, you, you're going to have to be tougher. And it never fails, almost never fails, you see the coaches – that are able to keep their cool the best on the sideline, make it the farthest. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, there's not normally coaches down at state tournament that are spiking Gatorade bottles and kicking (laughs) chairs. You're right. You're right. I agree with that. All right. Let's, let's move on. Let's recap the division one real quick. We're done with division three and um, I'll go ahead and start with the, uh, 515 game there on Saturday night, the semifinal game between Centerville and Pick Central. Pick Central won that game 57-53. I watched that from start to finish. And man, oh man, was that a great game. Gabe Cups, Devin Royal back and forth. Um all the all the pieces that go with them. There were other guys that were huge. Um, but just a fantastic game start to finish. And I'm sure you caught that one too. Oh yeah, just another absolute dandy of a game, man. And I mean, once again, we were so lucky. felt like the whole tournament run, we were lucky because every game that we expected to be a really good game lived up to it. And that was one of them. I mean, that was the game of the tournament coming in. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it was definitely one of the best games we saw all weekend long. Um, Centerville had them early and then just couldn't close them out late. It was really a two point game. The last two points didn't matter, but, um, Pick Central once again just made a couple big plays, and it was another heartbreaker for Centerville. And and I'll tell you, I was kind of disappointed to to know that was going to be the last time I saw that group of Centerville guys, the seniors, Gabe Cups, mm-hmm. the guys his age, because that has been a really fun group to watch over the past three years. And I think most people that go to state tournament would agree with that, especially because yeah. Division One a lot of people don't get real excited about. But that Centerville team, it's just different. Their whole program's different. They have great culture. Their coach is an unbelievable guy. They've had really, really talented players. It's just been a polarizing group. It really has. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't watch them two years ago much. Last year when I went, I, I typically I don't watch a whole lot of Division One. That they were definitely a team I followed, and and I I even stuck around last year to watch that that final game, and I believe you did as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that and you're right. I mean, it was an absolute treat. They do things the right way. Uh, Pick Central <laughs> also does things the right way. It was just, but yeah, I mean, just a totally great game. Um, and to me, going into the weekend, I thought that was the matchup. That was the game of the weekend, in my opinion. Yeah. Yep, for sure. And the one thing I'll say about Centerville, you watch them just from the time they get off the bus, the way they handle their pregame warmups, to the way they leave the floor. It's just different. There's a ton of accountability there. All the kids handle themselves really well and coaches. And then I slipped in their press game or postgame press conference. And boy, oh boy, you want to talk about some perspective from the Cups family, both uh, the coach, Brooke, and the son, Gabe, there has to be a link to that somewhere. If you can find it, I encourage you to look it up and watch it because just unbelievable perspective on what state tournament and high school basketball is all about. 
Um, those guys basically, obviously, they're disappointed they lost the game, but they talked about just playing for something bigger than themselves and, you know, being proud of the way that they handle business and feel that they do things the right way. And as long as they continue to do that and, you know, they don't have any regrets and they're good and can live with that. And it was just really neat and kind of interesting perspective to hear sometimes that we lose a little bit in the competitiveness of high school sports. Sure. Sure. I think we do lose that. You know, I, we'll go back to, to Tyson McLaughlin of OG. He brought that up after the Wayne Trace game, how it was a great high school basketball game. And he brought that up over the weekend, how those were great high school basketball games and how they should be played and, and all that, you know, and, and I think sometimes, you know, we lose, we get so worried on the wins and losses, which obviously that matters at the end of the day. But, um, you know, just to be able to go watch a great basketball game and watch kids compete is just phenomenal. Yeah, and, and I thought it was awesome. You know, those guys talked about just getting to the state final four, those Centerville guys talking about what an accomplishment that is. And I think that's going to become even more, you know, increasingly important for schools, smaller high schools in our area, I think with the way that things are at the state level right now, we talked about it with teams like the Lou and uh, Richmond Heights, winning that regional championship is just going to mean so much more because of how difficult and almost unfair it is to win a state title. Sure. Uh, moving on, we'll go to the nightcap there Saturday night. Uh, Archbishop Hoban. Uh, out of Akron, played Toledo St. John's. Uh, that final score, Hoban wins 49-36. I did not watch that game. Uh, did you stick around for that one? Yeah, so Hoban's really good. Um, they had a guy in – so kind of the most interesting thing to watch for them was big guy inside, six-foot-eight-inch freshman, uh, built like a big offensive tackle. And he didn't start for them until like mid-January. Okay, But he came on real strong for him late, and he was really fun to watch because he didn't look like a basketball player, but he was really kind of light on his feet. And my dad brought it up early in the broadcast. He's like, this guy can play. You know, he reminds me of like an Orlando Pace or like a Corey Lichtensteiger and the fact that like they don't look like they'd be a good basketball player, but boy, they they can move. And I was like, all right, man, pump the brakes. But then (laughs) – but then the more I watched him, I was like, man, he, old man's kind of got a point there. Like, this kid can play a little bit. And uh, not only him, but Hoban uh, had a guard. I can't remember his name. His last name was Nichols. Uh, really, really high-level Division I uh, college player. And so Hoban, really nice team. But still, after that semifinal game, the feeling was still that Pick Central – clear favorites going into the final sure and the thing that a lot of people including myself failed to account for was the fact that pick central had just played in an absolute war whereas hoping won their game comfortably sure that makes sense i mean i i I, i'll be honest i didn't watch hoping at all i didn't watch that late game on saturday and i didn't watch the the final sunday night either but um kind of kept up with it and you know i i I kind of thought the state championship game was the Centerville pick central game. And, uh, you know, I'd say, you know, going into it, I thought pick central would win that. And, you know, I thought it'd be close, but they'd probably come away with that. But that's a good point that, I mean, that probably took a lot out of them there in that semifinal game Saturday uh, evening there. You bet. And I think they kind of thought that they had it won after winning that semifinal 
on Saturday, but Hoban, that was kind of the talk once we got back to the hotel on Saturday night. Can Hoban play with Pick Central? And I told people, yeah, they can play with them, but I don't know that they'll beat them. And, uh, man, Hoban was really in control of that game. I, I headed back here to Payne and just listened to Dad and Jason on the radio, and Hoban was in control of that game for majority of it. So uh, that was a kind of an upset in Division One. them winning it. Yeah, they won that one 53-47. And uh, so, again, man, it was a great state tournament. I was happy to keep up with it. And uh, uh, it, it was really good. And I'm glad you got to go down for the weekend and check things out. I know you kind of got a late start on Friday. But uh, nevertheless, it's always fun being down in Dayton or Columbus and enjoying the state tournament. Yeah, I, and I'm, I'm glad that you were able to, you know, watch the games, even though you didn't go, because – that state tournament, those 12 games, I mean, there was like, I'm trying to count here, there was maybe three games that were not very competitive. And Brett, you know as well as I do, there's been years we go down, mm. there's only two good games the whole tournament. I mean, this right. year, it was closer to 10 good games. And so yeah. the competitiveness and the quality of basketball, even, I would say, from a talent perspective, was better than what it's been the past couple of years. For sure. I'd agree with that. I'd agree. All right. Well, that puts a, a cap on the weekend. And, man, I had a good time, like I said, just sitting here in the cave all weekend and enjoying both TVs and uh, watching a high school and college game. And I'm sure you had a great time as well. And kind of recaps the whole weekend here. So, right, you got to add before we move on and wrap up tonight? No. Um, I mean, I know we're going to hop back on here and, in a couple of days, maybe or next week, and do like a final sure. wrap of our basketball season. But uh, I'll just say, after state tournament, kind of looking back, one of the most fun four weeks of tournament that I can remember in, in several years. I mean, of course, when the Raiders are going on a run, it's always fun for us. And Paulding had a great year in Antwerp, you know, and Crestview getting down there. All of our local teams were good, which makes it better. But uh, mm-hmm. man, it was just a blast this year. Great games, great teams really good atmospheres along the way too yeah for sure and I, back to the Raiders just real quick I'm gonna throw this at you had Wayne Trace gotten by OG I know probably not taking out the Lou but to me probably could have hung with Afrocentric 100% 100% I, I think they definitely would have played with Afrocentric and that's the interesting thing, you know, that people look at. Well, how can you say that, you know? I mean, how can you say they wouldn't have hung with the Lou? They almost beat OG. Well, I mean, at some point it becomes all about matchups. And mm-hmm. East wasn't a good matchup for the Raiders, I'll, I'll tell you that. But Afrocentric, I think Wayne Trace could have played with them. I, I really do. Don't know if they'd have beat them. But no, I'm not. Played with them. I mean, 10-point game or even closer than that, I'm thinking. You betcha. So... I think, uh, you know, I think the teams around here have a lot to be proud of. And, you know, let's talk about Crestview one more time. Uh, just, I did not really see this coming at the beginning of the year. I mean, I knew they were solid, but I didn't expect them to end up down in Dayton. I don't know about you. Dude, nobody saw it coming, I don't <laughs> think. And, and I, that's what makes a run like that so fun. But once again, it just comes back to they had the formula for success, winning tournament games, great guard play, senior leadership. And I know it's hurting. They're hurting right now. Um, But when they're able to look back on this season, 
I mean, that's truly a dream season when you have that many seniors that are that connected. Oh, and also coach Doug Etzler, son of, you know, legendary coach, his dad, Ray Etzler. Yeah. And their son and grandson is a senior starting point guard on the team. I mean, that that's, that's stuff out of a movie. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What a great run they had and, you know, happy for them for sure. Yeah. So, um, and again, to OG for, for, you know, making their run as well. And like they always do, or seems like they always do. And, uh, especially here lately, but, uh, what a great one. And, um, you know, another great state tournament. Um, I do want to mention this. I'm out here in the cave watching right now as we're recording and that game just went final Kansas state knocks off Michigan state by five. So they'll be moving on there in the NCAA tournament. Um, and this UConn game's kind of getting out of hand. <laughs> I see that, man. That man, Michigan State. I didn't think they'd make it this far, you know, the Sweet Sixteen. But you just never bet against Izzo in March. I mean, that's just a rule of thumb. You could pick Michigan State to win your bracket every year and have a decent shot for sure. All right, man. I, that's all I've got. If you've got anything else you want to add, we can talk about it real quick. But if not, uh, we'll probably talk to you early next week. Yeah, I'm all good, man. Okay, um, I do want to. I do want to read this. Um, I got a text from John Adams today um, about the Wayne Trace Junior High Baseball Club, uh, the fifth annual um, multiple sclerosis fight golf outing. Uh, They have that on July 22nd, July 23rd. It's a Saturday and Sunday over at All Glaze um, Golf Club there, uh, Defiance, Ohio, and get you the address. I'm going to tweet this out as well. if you want to register a team, it's 300 teams, 75 a golfer. Um, come out and support a good cause. They do a bunch of good things. Um, they have 50-50. They've got uh, different prizes they give away. Um, it, it's really a fantastic time. Brady, have you made it over to this uh, baseball golf outing? I unfortunately have not been able to, but I know people that have, and my dad has, and I've heard really good things about it. I think I've been there the last two years and I plan on going this year because, uh, I mean, it, it's, it's really, it, it's, it's really for a great cause. Uh, and they do a fantastic job of putting it together. John Adams, John Asher, those guys, the whole Wayne trace baseball community. Um, that $75, you get 18 holes. Um, you get some drink tickets that you, you get a meal afterwards um, it's fantastic. So if you, if you want to get a hold of John, uh, to get in the golf outing, it's July 22nd, 23rd. It's a Saturday and a Sunday check-in time, 8 a.m. Shotgun started at 830. Get a hold of John Adams at 419-235-4943 and, uh, go support a good cause over at All Glaze Golf Course in July. Yep. You betcha. And, there, and there's a lot, there's so much going on over there. I know that day beyond just golf so it's a really fun event it is it is all right that is all i've got for this evening do you have any shout outs i don't man i i I don't think i do just (laughs) i I mean thanks to all the area players and coaches and fans and even our listeners here across the field that have made this uh tournament time so fun i mean it's always special but this year for some reason man it was just even that much more special to me yeah, we, you know, and we kind of dropped the ball last week. We had some things going on, but uh, I really wanted to 
to preview all those games late last week and we just kind of ran out of time and so we apologize to everybody for that but you know we we've got stuff going on too here so um, just didn't really work out but man it was it was a great time it was a great four weeks and uh you know it it was a blast for sure um my shout out this evening is just going to be um everybody that held it down with me in the cave on over the weekend uh russell up muscle happy birthday again he was here over the weekend um a couple more buddies booze cue ball um uh, shout out all those guys jim bissell was here stopped by a little bit um and so that that's my shout out another one i've got everybody that got in on the uh across the field uh tournament challenge again some of those people i don't know come forward let us know who the heck you are Reveal yourself. <laughs> Reveal yourself. <laughs> it's time to unmask. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, man, I had one more I was going to mention. Well, must not be real important. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's all I've got for the, Oh, other thing I was going to say. The uh, basketball marathon in here in Payne that happens on Good Friday and uh, Saturday, 24-hour basketball marathon. Um Pauling Area Support Society. Brady, I went ahead and threw in a couple teams. Where I got guys from all over. I got teams split up. Um, guys that have been on here as guests, uh, yourself, um, people that have sponsored and kind of support us. We got some sponsorships coming. I got to get some commercials put together for those guys. Um, and that'll be coming here in the next couple of days. Uh, Tony Springer at TNT Landscaping and uh, Logan Stoller for Stoller Shine and Detail, and I got a couple more, I think, on order here. But we're going to play against each other. we got two across-the-field teams, and uh, we're going to get it on. We won't know the time until probably Sunday or Monday, but uh should be a good time and a great event. And I was talking to Benny, one of the uh, um, committee members tonight, and he said, you know, we're, they had pretty good turnout again, so – Thanks to everybody, all the businesses or people that put teams in to support that. That's a great deal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That that sounds like a lot of fun, man. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Should be a lot of fun. I'm excited. But, uh, yep, that's all I got for this evening. And uh, we'll catch up with you. I think this next episode is going to be real fun. And we'll either throw that together Sunday evening or Monday. Um, but it should be a blast. Should be a blast for sure. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Good way to put a bow on the high school hoop season. Yep, and then we'll get ready for uh, track and baseball season. You got it. For sure. So, All right, man, well, we'll catch up with you later. All right, see you, Brett. Yep, you have listened to another episode of Across the Field. Peace out.